Welcome to Challenging the Status Quo podcast season 2 brought to you by Digital Savages with your host Amir Sabirovic. On the previous episode of Challenging the Status Quo, our guest and challenger was Vicky Paul. She believes you have to challenge what you think you know. You need to be in true alignment with yourself to push yourself forward as a person and human being. Challenge everything you know about yourself so you know that what you are doing is right for you. And here's a short part of our conversation. So my, gr- um, my grandmother, my mum's mum was born in 1919, so she's literally a post-World War One baby. Um, she grew up during the two recession, and then during the Second World War, she had two jobs. She used to make artillery, um, and she used to drive um, the buses in the morning. And every single day, people would tell her that no one cared about what was going on inside her own head. She had a job to do, she just needed to suck it up and get on with it. This then manifested in my mom, who was then born in the 14th, 46 she was born. And it was, you know, Joy, my mom, you know what, no one cares. So just go out there and do what you're, do what's expected of you. I hope you enjoyed Vicky's life journey and you'll learn how to challenge everything you know. Now we can welcome our following guest. Hi, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Challenging the Status Quo. Today, my guest and challenger is Marco Busman. He's a leadership expert, team and executive coach, international facilitator, inspirational speaker, and best-selling author. Welcome, Marco. Awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Samia. Thank you for inviting me as well. Hey, uh, uh, giving all these things that you're doing right now and the books that you have written, I'm really curious what your path was and uh, how did you grow big? What was your journey? Can you share that how, with us? How did I grow big? I'm not sure if I'm big already, but you know, how did I grow up? Maybe it's the question. Um, yeah. but, but it's quite interesting because when I say how do you grow up, actually it starts also with how did I grow up? Um, you know, I, I was, when I was younger, quite a fabric guy. Um, my parents, although, you know, when I was like seven or eight years old, I noticed that, you know, there was some trust struggles with it, with my parents and, and more and more. And ultimately it led to a divorce uh, when I was like, I think 11, 12 years old. And what happened to me is like I became quite insecure. Um, so, you know, also I was a bit ashamed, to be honest, that my parents divorced. Um, so rather than being quite extroverted, I turned inwards. Um, and I went to the military academy. And when I went to the military academy, um, you know, this is also where I made a choice. Like, you know, this is not the life I want to live, you know, being more like inwards oriented, shy way. So I made uh, made a promise, some sort of promise to myself where I said, I'm going to work hard, study hard, you know, take a lot of responsibilities, you know, say yes and just just do all the work. I'm even going to overshadow myself, you know, to get recognition, to be seen. Um, so in that moment, I was quite on a rational path, uh, quite successful, you know, being like the age of 30, ranked major uh, in the Air Force. Uh, so that was quite early. Um, then I moved over to Capgemini, did some management roles. Uh, so again, quite successful. I know we're going to talk more about what this means, successful. But I would say it was more external successful. Like I had the money, I had a career, I had a beautiful wife, two young children, a nice car in, in front of the house, uh, did the holidays that I wanted. Um, but I also noticed that more and more, you know, I felt like this is not what I want. Uh, more and more, I was, you know, my energy was draining, actually. Uh, I felt like I was in a relationship, but I wasn't the one. Um, also with the work, you know, long hours, early up and then late back to bed. didn't see my children that much. So that's when I started to work with a coach myself. And this coach really asked me the question, so who are you? And I told him all the things that I did and how successful I was and said, wonderful, but who are you? And that really struck me. I felt like, damn, it's a good question. Why am I? And actually what he was asking for is not about what you do, but, you know, what drives you, what defines you, what are your fears, what are your, your needs, you know, what are your desires, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? And I didn't have the answer, to be honest, Samir. So that is really where I would say the second phase of my life of growing up actually started around the age of 30, 35. And I started to look inwards and more and more I started understanding my path, my values, my legacy. You know, I want to contribute to a connected world. Um, and that's also at some point I decided, you know what, 
being a manager isn't fulfilling. It is successful, but it's not fulfilling. Um, and if, if I really want to work on a connected world and I want to contribute to world peace, then I need to do something different. So I resigned. I resigned from my job. I set up my own company 14 years back, uh, Curious. And nowadays, you know, I work with some, some business partners and beautiful associates all over the world. We're specialized and I'm specialized in the human side of change, working as an executive coach, leadership developer, leadership coach, uh, working with top level uh, executive teams, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and what I found is right now, you know, the guy in front of you, I'm quite in touch with my emotional side. I know who I am. I know what drives me. I, I, you know, I can be vulnerable. I don't need the recognition. You know, what I need is to look in the mirror and say, you're okay. You know, I like you. I love you actually for who you are, for what you do, uh, both of them. Um, so that is a bit of my path. So it's been a bit of a rough journey. Uh, and I'm quite happy that I followed that path because it also learned a lot of lessons to me. So that's short enough for you to, to get an overview and impression. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. I have actually two questions based on your story. And do you think yeah. that the industrial revolution didn't only automate our jobs in some certain level, but it also automated our emotions and not being in touch with our emotions, but much more being conditioned by the society? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure if it's automated, but I think conditioned is, is the proper words. Now, if I look at, at people like you and me, when we were born, you know, young kids, you know, young kids, they, they, they cry, they are happy, they fight, then they hug, and they're really in touch with whatever is there. If you look fundamentally, we as humans, we are ultimately emotional-driven animals, and we've learned how to rationalize and how to use the brain and the cognitive part of us in order to get results. Now, what happened is, you know, when you were younger, you still have the choice to just to do whatever you need to do. But then the structure comes in place. And then you're getting told, like, this is what you should do or you shouldn't do. You know, if you're at a school, you know, when the teacher raises their voice, you have to silence down. When your parents actually tell you, like, when you meet your grandfather or your grandparents or elderly people, you talk respectful with them. And they tell you what respectful means and how it, how it actually has to be done. And then more and more we get into structures. We say, like, two plus two is four. No, it's not five. It's not even three. It's four. You know, let's not debate. That's the truth. And more and more truths are being ingrained in us, in our heads, and in the way we think, the way we act, the way we perceive the world. So again, I think it's not automated, but you know, if you, and it's not even the fourth industrial revolution. It's more the evolution, how we evolve, uh, how we the evolution. How do you say that in English? The, the, how we evolve, evolved, um, yeah, yeah, evolved. Is is more from the head. So I think that somehow we we are losing the connection with the emotions, and that actually also showing emotions is strength. But somehow, you know, and especially also with boys, some boys are being told, you know, boys don't cry. You have to be strong, no matter what. You always pursue. Um, so I think it's it's more that aspect than being automated. Yeah. So we are conditioned towards our behavior and to fulfill the we needs are. of the world. Of our parents, our grandparents, you know. We, we have this, this, you know, what I sometimes say is we all have this board of directors in our heads called our parents, our best friends, our uncles, and so on. And whenever we, 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 we're in front of a choice, you know, we somehow consciously or unconsciously, we, we talk with them and ask them like, so what should I do? And what's the right path? And what we need to learn when we grow up is that we, we can still listen to them, but ultimately that we are a choice, that we are independent. And that we still listen to the, the feedback from each and every one, but we have to make our own choices. And I think also for being successful is also about the willingness and to be courageous enough to make your own choices in life. That's an interesting one. I, I, I came up with the three conditions that actually um, impact us as results, right? As who we are. Um, and my statement as our hypothesis is that we have to deal with the family curse, your mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. Then the second one is the education, which conditions mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And then your direct environment. So where did you grow up? And if all three are out of balance, uh, that could be, uh, or that can have very negative impact on you as a person and how you go and deal with things yeah. about in yeah. life. 
uh, yes and, I would say. I think there's even more elements. I think it primarily already starts, and that is, of course, coming from your parents and, you know, the whole line before, is your DNA. Based on your DNA, you have some character traits. You know, that's uh, that's okay. That's, uh, that's you know, that's your strength. And it can be a weakness as well, depending on how you play them. And indeed, then your first, you know, the first line is your parents. And they actually all condition you as well. Because they already start telling you what's right and what's wrong and, you know, how to behave and how to correctly behave. And then you get to the schooling system. You know, first the primary school, you get more. Then you get to the secondary school. You get to the university if you get there. You More and more. And then you start to get to work and you go to, to the, the sports clubs and so on. And again, each time you learn how to adapt. And ultimately, we are socialized animals. You know, deep in ourselves, you know, we, we know that we should be part of a group in order to survive. We should be part of a group that keeps us away from the pain, you know, a bigger chance. So we are so ingrained that, that we should be part of a socialized group uh, that we are always willing to adapt. Um, so the, the conditioning is at all levels, but it starts, I think, with the DNA already. That's a, that's a great add-on, definitely. Hey, and... <clears throat> Given your journey and now you're much more it's uh, towards yourself or your inwards in what you find joyful to do and then you place it out to the world. Yeah. Um, how do, do you define, and, and I know success is a dirty word because it's also conditioned by all kinds uh, of... Uh, 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 success <laughs> is not a dirty word. I mean, that's a condition of yours. <laughs> success is just success. <laughs> it's not uh, a dirty word. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but when you look at it from the success, so um, uh, if you are a peasant and yeah. or a sheep herder, yeah, and you're joyful with your life, that could be your success. But the society yeah. does not see that as success. That's different. That's different. So this is why I said it's a dirty word. But maybe uh -huh, it's uh -huh. uh, it's how, yeah. it's the way you perceive it. So so what is your definition of success and the feeling behind it? For me, success is like, you know, each day at the, at the morning when I wake up, you know, I, I'm really grateful that I have my family, um, you know, my wife, my, my children, um, that I also have the opportunity just to do what I feel is important. And for me, that is like also a spiritual path that I'm on. Uh, it's called the, the path of the Shambhala warrior, you know, where I can just come from compassion and, you know, work with people by, you know, by being with them. I can actually have the privilege to hold a mirror in front of them so that they more and more start noticing their patterns, you know, and their choices. And, you know, from there also see if they want to do something else. And by doing so, they can live an authentic life, whatever that means. Um, and they can make choices that are relevant to them. And I understand that sometimes not everyone has that opportunity. And then still the question is, how do you deal with the circumstances? And, you know, so I have the privilege to, to doing so. And at the end of the day, you know, when I reflect back, there are always, you know, those beautiful moments where I felt like something happens to the other person. So, for instance, this morning I was co-leading a, a course for a client in Dubai. And she just revealed something, my, my co-leads, before we actually started to work on the training about herself, you know, through our conversations that she was in touch with something about setting boundaries. And it was so deeply emotional, you know, I really felt it and it was so important for her. I called it a moment of, of transformation. And that moment, that made my day. You know, I felt like, you know, again, this day, today, this person, at least this person, I have been contributing to her life to, to be successful or to be fulfilled. And that's also when you ask me, like, so that's the definition of success, a bit like the functional piece, but the emotion, that is more like the fulfilled. You know, I can really feel like internally in my heart, in my soul, in my gut, you know, thankfulness, like the tears this morning, that is like fulfilled. So I was successful and fulfilled at the same time. So I think ultimately that the, the emotion that comes with it is like, the courage to fully accept and to fully embrace every emotion that is with it. Um, and, to, you know, that is success as well. This weekend, I, I got a feedback report from a, from a client. And I think we did, we did really well. And then I saw the feedback and it was, you know, less than well, I would say. And I was pissed off. And I was pissed off like, you know, fuck you guys. He should have told me then we could have adjusted and of course you know i was a bit in a blaming mode but it's not about blaming them that was my ego talking uh, but you know but 
holding that anger with me and, you know, then starting to understand what's underneath the anger and also how it relates back to what I want to bring to the world, you know, to feel the essence. And therefore, I could also become angry. It's ultimately not because of them, because I want something for them. You know, and again, that is for me the, the deep emotion. So the emotion could be joy, it could be anger, it could be all. Um, and, and I think that's also part of society where we say, if you're success, you should be happy. You should have a joy and a big smile. But I think that's only half of the story because in order to become really successful, you have to embrace all the emotions that makes you even more successful. And when you, when you say happy, do you think, because happiness, you just stated it, It's not yeah. a consistent line, right? No. You have the so when you look at it, you should actually enjoy the process. Yes, and embrace everything that comes comes with it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what people keep telling you. And embrace and enjoy the journey rather than the destination. You know, and I think that is so true. You know, because it, again, you know, what a, a tourist will do is say saying like, you know, I want to go to Paris. You know, I want to see the Notre Dame. And then, you you know, you book a ticket, you book a hotel, you go there, you take a couple of pictures, you say, yeah, I've been there, great. I go back and I'm happy because I've been there. But what a traveler actually does is say, like, you know, each moment of the journey is important to me. And then while I'm on the journey, I might meet some other people, you know, and I get in touch and then we deviate and we don't go to Paris, but we suddenly are going more to Milan or to, to a different country. And while on the road, I'll enjoy what's happening to me. And I think we should be more travelers rather than tourists in life. Uh, I I think that uh, secretly I have living that what you just described, uh, because people often ask me, why do you go to your holiday by car? And I said, yeah. well, you know, at the moment that I sit together with my family and turn on the engine, that is when the holiday starts. And yeah. the whole experience and sightseeing and stops and everything that comes in between, that is what yeah. I enjoy. Far yeah. more, actually... I enjoyed that travel time much more than the destination. Right. Uh, right. I mean, that is how I feel. Uh, so, may, so may, may I ask you? May I ask you a question? Then, and you know, this is my nature. I always quite ask questions, and I, I challenge as well. Because when you say the holiday starts at the moment that I get into the car and just you know turn on the engine, I think the the holiday starts much earlier. You know, the whole journey towards the moment that you get into the car, which is actually the functional. That's the doing piece of it. Uh, but my, my assumption is also, you know, way before you also with your family, with your wife, you know, you start thinking about the holidays and what it means to you. I think that's already part of the process. And my message to people is like, you know, the whole life is constantly a journey. Don't put it in frames because then you'll, you know, then you can be successful within the frames. But successful is actually every moment, every day, every moment, embrace all there is, all elements rather than putting it in frames all the time, if that makes sense. Definitely, that's a message for me, and you're totally right. Uh, it, it does start because then you're also looking forward to that moment that you're stepping into the car. Where are we going to yeah. go? And what are we going to do? And uh, and the excitement of children and uh, and so on and so on. So that you're definitely right. I'm, I'm framing too much. So thank you for that feedback, uh, Marco. <laughs> yeah, might be, might be. I might challenge you every now and then. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, Are you are you a fan of Back to the Future? I like you know. I remember the first time I saw the movie Back to the Future. You know, just the idea is absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely okay, fantastic. So, so I'm curious what, what the question is. <laughs> well, I'm giving you a DeLorean. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you can travel to any point in your career, and you can talk to the young version of yourself. And you can shed some light into his life and give him some advice. Where would oh, you travel fantastic. to? And what would you tell to the whatever age, Marco? Oh, fantastic question. Um, I think I would travel back to, to the young, young Marco, the insecure Marco. And I would tell him like, you know, it's actually okay to be insecure. Um, you know, don't, don't uh, try to, to, to hide it. Uh, talk about it with people around you. You know, share what's happening within yourself. Uh, share your fears, share your anger, share the insecurity. Um, and then you will find out many more people have the same. And actually by doing so, you give permission to others as well to, to share their vulnerability, to share where they are. And then together you can actually grow. So, you know, I, I would definitely would go back to the younger marker, say, 
it's okay. You're okay, really. Just open up, speak up your truth and uh, your insecurities. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. That's a beautiful question. Thank you. I think that's yeah. uh, that's also a, a, a great piece of advice. And do you think that when we're talking about this and opening emotionally and being truly aligned with yourself, but also presenting with the world, does the world perceive you then as naive or too emotional? Well, I'm not sure if it's the world, but I, I'm sure that some people will, will call me naive. Um, and I'm absolutely fine with it. Some people will love me. Some people will hate me. I think that's part of nature. You know, the, the way nature is designed is that you have your friends and your enemies at all levels. You know, that's all animals have it. So me too. Um, so I'm absolutely okay and I'm absolutely comfortable with it. Uh, the question is more like, how do you want to be with it? And for me, you know, I think if I look at naive and, for, and, and just, just another way of the way I look at the world, you know, when people use words like naive or trust or whatever, I say, you know, there's always the, there's a definition of what it means naive and there's an emotion attached to it. And if you want to have a conversation with someone else, you know, don't assume you understand what the definition of the other person is on and what the emotion is related to it. So now back to my definition of naive. Naive would also be like that. I'll just say yes without thinking in advance what might happen. Because sometimes, you know, you, you just know that some people are there just to, you know, to get the most money out of you. You, you feel it, you sense it. You, and then if I would say I'm going to neglect it. Uh, because ultimately everyone is is positive in this world and everyone is just here to serve me and to serve my cause and so on, then I would call myself naive uh, because the reality is different. Um, the emotion that comes with the naive is also like naive. I, I feel a little bit of resistance. Um, and why? Because I don't perceive myself as naive. So maybe if you would tell me, tell me like, Michael, I perceive you as naive, that would be a trigger on me. Uh, if I'm really honest, because I think this is part of what I'm still trying to figure out um, in life. You know, when you ask grow up, I'm, I'm growing up, but each year I learn something new. Now back to, to the naive piece. Um, if people will call me naive, I'm fine. And you know why? Because I know what my mission is. I know the path I'm on. I know what I need to do. I make conscious choices in life. You know, I want to contribute to world peace, you know, in my frame. I'm not the next Mahatma Gandhi. You know, I'm not the next Nelson Mandela or so on. Absolutely not. But within my circle of influence, within my circle of control, I can support people, challenge people to, to step up and to be themselves. And, you know, every morning I wake up and I'm dedicated to do so. Every night I go bed to bed. I'm happy that I did. Um, and yes, I make some mistakes every now and then, but that's okay. I've learned my path through the mistakes. So I, I happily accept it. Um, and if you, you know, from an external point of view, look at my life and you see me making some mistakes and then you say, yes, those mistakes are there because you were naive. And I would say, thank you. That's, that's your choice. But I know that in advance, I took the choices based on what I believe to be true. And that's what I want for people as well. Think about your life purpose because that will help you guide the path. It will not give you the solutions about all the actions you need to do, but it will guide your path. Yeah, so the reason, uh, answer. Yeah. No, no, no. The reason that I ask it is because, you know, I'm, uh, as you are, very in touch with my own emotions. Yeah. And I believe that the trust is built based on sharing the emotions with each other. And then you have pinpoints that we have similar to each other. And then you say, hey, we, yeah. we have a lot of similar similarities. Is actually what you're looking for. And then yeah. based on that. And um, I've tested this on multiple occasions uh, okay. because this is this is how relationships are built. You 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 be totally true and honest who you are, what you're what's driving you, and etc. And then if the counterparty does not share that with you you immediately yeah. know <laughs> what the future holds in it's it's yeah it's 50 50 chance um and um i think either people do not dare because it's very um they're scared of the judgmental force of course of course and they do not overshare uh, you you're getting too personal uh the world yeah. does not work like that well, you know, I want to create the world where it does work like that, you know. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so this is, and, and then that that is uh, perceived as, you know, you're oversharing. So 
Yeah, can be considered and, with you, and, with you, and again, it's that that is your life path. That's that's what you believe. So you should bring that to the world because then you are at your best. You know, this is how you serve the world. Uh, by the way, also trust is not only by by sharing emotions. If you look at the the work by Steve, Stephen M R Covey, so the son of Stephen Covey, also called Stephen and Stephen Covey, just to confuse us, I think. Uh, but he actually says, like you know, if you want to build trust, the fastest way to build trust is through rationality, in a way. Because show them that you have the competences, show that you create the results that creates an initial trust. You know, also, um, you know, I'm not sure how you selected me, but you know, if you looked on the internet, you saw my LinkedIn profile, some of the webinars I did. You know, that probably created some trust. Like, you know, Michael probably has something to tell, something to share. So that's a bit of the yeah. cognitive piece. And then you get to know each other, and then you know, in in getting to know each other, there's also the opening up of the emotions and more and more similarities. You know, because we're both in this world where we want to connect and support. So the more and more similarities and there becomes an emotional charge in the relationship that deepens the trust. And then simply also the, the fastest way to get rid of the trust is I'll play a, a foul game on, on the emotional part. You know, if I say yes, but I do know, you know, if I say, you know, you're great, but then on, you know, behind your back, I start talking dirty about you, you know, and then you get to know it. That, that's like trust is gone. So I think trust as a cognitive piece. Let's let's also underline the rationality. The cognitive piece is absolutely important to deliver results. And I believe that if we can truly relate at a personal level, that deepens the trust um, and that creates friendships also long term. And when you earlier said like you know it's a 50-50 chance you know when you know whether or not I believe that most people actually they want to be connected. I think that most people actually also want to open up and be vulnerable and then share. Yet what they have learned, it's unsafe to do so. So um, I think that those again are the preconditions, you know, that are, that are that are in our minds and our bodies and our souls. But in essence, we just want to connect because we love the connection, we love the vulnerability, we love to be around others. And I, and again, I come from love. I come from compassion. I believe that most people do actually. So also that means like the first time when you encounter someone and, you know, he's, he's holding back, then it's easy to judge and have an opinion. Yet I think our strongest quote unquote weapon is to come from compassion and raise questions and to be sincerely interested. And that way we can seduce them to open up and to become more emotional themselves. Yeah, creating a genuine connection. Yeah. yeah. And when you take this and you put it into the perspective, that's what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. How do you challenge the status quo? This is, I would say that closeness and et cetera, that's conditioned status quo. What yeah. is your approach? How do you do that? Speak my truth. Like I've been doing already a couple of times with you. You know, that's what I do. You know, I, I speak of my truth. I speak of my truth no matter what, you know, your your the lowest or the highest levels in, in the company. I don't care. Uh, that also got me into trouble. You know, I got fired sometimes, you know, through clients because they said like, you know, you're too direct and said, okay. And then even one client asked, so now will you adjust your style? I said, no way. You know, this is who I am. And, you know, I get it that it didn't fit between you and me. Um, but, you know, as long as I don't silence down, then I can do my job. The moment that I, I become like scared to ask a question or I'm getting impressed uh, by the other person and therefore I hold back, that's the moment I should choose a different profession. So challenges and being courageous. Speak up. Yeah. What does being direct mean when you translate it from your experience? Well, being direct for me is is, is telling my truth. Um, so when I have this, you know, sometimes we all have this this sense in our body that we got, and then we, you know, we feel something. There's this this gut, this instinct. Um, now, what happens if you have an instinct, then your head takes over and start rationalizing, is it okay, does it really matter, you know, is it okay, you know, what will they think about me if, if I voice it? And by the time, you know, you, 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 you really thought it through, the moment is over to raise the question. So what I mean is like, you know, when you have the instinct, the gut feeling, then open your mouth and be surprised what rolls out of your mouth. Um, you know, and then sometimes, you know, they ask me like, so say again, what was the question? And I, I, I just have to say, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's just a question that rolled out of my, uh, my mouth. So, and I think that's, that's the essence. Do you dare to be surprised by your own questions, by what rolls out of your mouth? That having said also means it sometimes creates a mess. 
Because sometimes being direct, you know, you say something where someone else gets offended. It wasn't my intention, but, you know, it might still uh, offend them. You know, I work on a global level, 61 different nationalities. So, you know, I, I know that sometimes I just come from my Dutch perspective and I say something where, you know, it doesn't resonate with the other person. But then again, leadership is also, if I, if I make a mess, and again, I think that is truly important, then you stay and you clean up. You stay, you stay, you stay. You listen. You're not going to defend. You're going to raise questions and start to understand what the other was offended about, you know, what, what's closed him or her down. And then by staying, you know, something new opens up. So that's, again, challenging the status quo. Just be courageous, speak up, be in the moment and accept whatever consequences. And do you think uh, people are listening very carefully more or just waiting for their turn to talk? So, you know, this is a leading question. What I normally would say is when people start talking, say, do you think, I would say, so tell me your opinion. Because it seems like you have an opinion. You frame it in a question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's your opinion? And I will respond to it. Uh, well, I don't have that experience anymore because through mm -hmm. my spiritual journey, I've abolished these kind of people that are not really right. interested in what I have to say, but just waiting for their turn to talk. So yeah. I think I think it depends. It's various. Um, it depends who you hang around. Uh, yes. And you have to be very selective of people that want to discuss concepts, ideas, and being in connection, being genuinely interested in you as a person yeah. um, and ask questions out of real interest and not yeah. just for waiting for them to the reply. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And, 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 and again, you know, if I look at my profession, if I would choose those people, you know, those are the people who are already on the path. Uh, whereas I think there's also a majority where people are framed through their past, um, you know, and therefore they, 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 they are not even aware about their own frames. Um, so, you know, my, part of my profession is also to reach out to those people who actually would have opinions first and wait for the moment just to, you know, when I close down so they can speak up and, you know, come from ego. Because that's where I also can contribute to transformation of them. And therefore, by transforming them, they can transform the society again, the world, their families, and so on. So, um, you know, probably, and that, that's my, my, my work bias, I'm absolutely interested in those people because there's something to bring uh, to them. And, and is there in that journey of people yeah. and improvement and transformation, Yeah, was there a moment that you bumped your had against such a personality that you just <laughs> failed to change her, him? One moment or multiple moments. That multiple <laughs> of course, you know, of course. You know, if I look at like, you know, when I started to coach people like 50 years back or so, the way I coach then and I find the way I coach nowadays is such a huge difference. Uh, so, you know, of course, you know, I, I messed up. I, I bumped into people's heads. You know, I sometimes was so dedicated to transform them while they were not ready or not willing. And it was more about me, you know, that I wanted to have the, them. I wanted to have them the same experience that I went through. Um, so sometimes I pushed coaching on them rather than just, you know, uh, supporting them. Um, and I remember so well, this is also one of the moments that I got fired. Uh, you know, there was this, this team, this management team I was uh, supporting. And uh, the, the the director, the CEO, asked me, you know, so, you know, I've been observing the whole process. And at some point he said, like, so what are your observations? And I told him, like, you know, so you raise questions. I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, yeah, but you don't raise questions. You know, you just, you, what, I, what you do is you download, you ask questions so that they can give you data. And based on the data, you make decisions. But ultimately, you're not really interested in, you know, having a co-creation, you know, therefore also having a, a good conversation leading somewhere, um, it's, it's merely about you. And I said it in front of the, of the rest of the management team. I can tell you that created a silence for about 10 minutes. And I was like, fuck, okay. This is something I should have told him like one and one rather than within the group. Uh, I need to remember this, you know. I think I, I am right, but, you know, the situation... You know, it's, it's not the right situation to, to go for. So that was one of the moments that I messed up big time, big time. And that also led me to, you know, being fired. And I was a persona non grata uh, for, for the CEO. 
So the see the HR manager taught me like, you know, I have to tell you, that, you know, yeah, well, maybe we could still do some work. I said, no way, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I get it. I messed up. Um, so, you know, and that's, that's what we do. But like you and me, you know, if we mess up and we can reflect on what we did, um, but reflection is more on the functional parts, you know, on the behavior and the actions, but we can also introspect. So start looking inwards to like what woman drivers, what made me actually be so bold and direct with this person in front of, uh, of the rest. You know, the reflection and introspection gives you new insights and answers to take forward. And I think that's part of, you know, in our profession, but also for you, that is what we are obliged to do, not only for ourselves, but also for the people around us. You know, that is, if we ask them to do the same, we at least should do it ourselves as well. And that's also one of the reasons that I'm still working with a spiritual guide. You know, every month I have a call with her and we're doing amazing stuff. And she holds up mirrors to me and I keep learning. Uh, because, you know, the moment that I think that I'm there, um, again, I should do, change my, my job, my profession. Because I, I don't believe is you'll ever be there. Yeah, but it's a lifelong journey of experiences from which you can learn from. And then yeah, and you maybe can do the daily you'll never know. You know, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll we have see. to find we'll that one out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 you you seem or I read you as a very jolly guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're you're apparently happy. Uh, mm -hmm. Where where do you get your feet on inspiration? What inspires you? A lot. I, I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. I like to have conversations like this one. Uh, with people about life, about what's happening in life. Um, so, like I said, I also work with my spiritual guides. You know, that she, she's a real source of inspiration. She's so knowledgeable. Each time I'm in awe uh, with her, like, my God, there's so much, you know, that's still, like, next to me. But also what I found, you know, I have this inner drive. Uh, I really know what my life purpose is, you know, again, so I'm the Shambhala warrior creating world peace. That is my life purpose. And, you know, there are so many layers. There's a spiritual layer underneath. And that's also grounded in the earth, earthly uh, life that I'm living here. So, you know, that also really, I, 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 it, it really lives within me. You know, if you could just see, if I could open up my chest, you know, you, you would see this big, big uh, beating heart, you know, it's with love and compassion and, and a big belief in, in the best of the, of the people around me. And that inspires me to give my best and to, to show up and to learn and to move forward. So it's, it's really the deeper, deeper feeling and understanding what I'm born to do here that really is like, it, it, I wouldn't call it even it's an inspiration. It's just, it's there. It's it. <laughs> I come it's, from there. It's your, it's, 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 it's your new nuclear power plant that drives you. It is. It <laughs> is my nuclear power plant. Absolutely, Amir. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that we should implement spirituality and philosophy into right. education from early age? Oh, absolutely. Although here again, it's interesting when you ask, so what is spirituality? You know, there's so many frames around spirituality. But for me, ultimately, you know, if I look at the, the essence is like, are you willing to question? Are you willing to be surprised? Are you willing to also let go of your frames? Are you willing to, to, to have conversations and listen to understand rather than listen to fix or listen to direct? Um, you know, it's, I think it's that fundamental mindset that really creates what we would call spirituality. So, you know, I am spiritual, but I, you know, I, I don't believe in God or religion or so. Um, I believe there's more, but don't ask me how it works because I don't have a clue. You know, I've also done some magic mushroom ceremonies, you know, and by doing so, again, you know, I, I've gained new insights and experience that, you know, that were really unknown to me. So I would say, you know, having spirituality is actually a mindset of openness, a mindset of curiosity, a mindset of believing like, you know, what I see right now is part of reality and there might be more. And from that perspective, I can fully say, yes, you know, actually, maybe we should bring in spirituality to the kids or maybe the kids, when they are born, they are spiritual and we should allow them to stay spiritual. So it's not bringing it into the system. It's more how can we actually keep it, what's already there? Because by nature, children have that spirituality within them. I'm pretty sure. And the second one, the philosophy? For me, it's the same. 
you know, again, philosophy is also a, a mindset where you are willing to look at different angles to the same issue and the same question. Um, you know, I'm not a philosopher myself. Uh, you know, I, I've tried to read different different books on philosophy, and it's not my cup of tea. So somehow it doesn't land with me. So again, like you should not push it on me, because if you if you push it on me, I will create some resistance. The question is more: How can you seduce me into philosophy? And then probably the reading is not the thing, but having a conversation that is a philosophical conversation. That is actually working for me because I, I like to talk with people and, you know, by, by talking, building concepts. So, again, spirituality or philosophy, I think the foundation, again, is the same. The never-ending curious mindset. There you go. Yeah. And, and that is what children have. <laughs> that is what healthy children have. From, and then we from, put it out and then we take it out and we say, yeah, we kill the, the creativity. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there a legacy you would like to leave to the world? Yes. Uh, for me, it's really about, you know, when we talk about connection. Uh, so I've written this book, The Connection Quotient. Um, in Dutch, it's called Forbidden Vermogen, uh, but in English, it's also translated The Connection Quotient. Um, I believe connection is our fundamental uh, birthright. We are born out of connection. And then, you know, our parents raise us. And then, you know, also connection creates also long, listen, uh, long loving lives. Um, if you look underneath, when you would ask someone like, so what does connection mean? Most people will define connection by, by it's something between you and me or between group members. But for me, this true, part, true starting point is the true connection with yourself. Um, so what I want to leave behind is also, you know, the truly that people truly see that if we want to be a connected world, you know, an interconnected world where we can say yes to different religions, different races, different uh, sexual benefits, uh, preference, preferences and so on. Um, it's not about you should be connected or you should change, but it's are you willing first to look inwards? and to really be connected with yourself, with your beautiful sides, your dark sides, your strengths, your weaknesses, your, 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 your upsides, your downsides, and fully embrace it. And the moment that we really start fully embracing that, that really creates a powerful foundation to connect with the other person. Um, so the true starting point for change is, is, is looking inwards. It's like what Carl Jung says, he who looks outside dreams, he who looks inside awakes. And I'm an absolute big fan of that quote. How many people are awake? I don't know. I see more and more people. You know, for, for me, it's not about the, the, how many. But for instance, if you look at the Renaissance, everyone knows the Renaissance. It's been an important period in time in the past. But the Renaissance only has started by 200 people. So, you know, it's, it's really what I notice if I look around, you know, something is building up. So there's, there's one thing that is actually uh, trying to destroy the earth, you know, and tearing it apart. But there's also the, the, the other, uh, like people like you and me and so many more people who are truly on a path where they say, I'm on a spiritual path. Actually, I'm, I'm interested and I'm, I'm always raising questions um, and I'm, I'm loving and caring towards myself and the people around. And the more people, you know, who actually follow that path, they will create a change. And that's what I believe. And that's what I want to contribute to. It always starts with one person and then it spreads. Absolutely. I, found it, I, I find Renaissance very interesting uh, because I, my curiosity led me from Renaissance to Andalusia, but that is uh, another talk. For that, we can talk for hours. Um, yeah. a total different question right now. Um, okay. If you would be able to dine with three people, alive or dead, or live in three time periods of choice, yeah. Which one would it be and why? So the, the first one would be my grandfather. The, the grandfather from my mother, uh, her, her, her father. Uh, I remember him quite well. I also remember when he died. Now that was over to 1812 uh, by Tchaikovsky. You know, that music was playing. And I will always remember when we went over to, to, to them. You know, my grandfather was sitting there with a big smile, a generous smile. Um, you know, how he had this deep, warm, warm voice. Um, I'm not sure how my age, but I think I was like six, seven years old or so uh, when he passed away. 
Um, so I would definitely like to to you know to to sit uh, with him or and and just you know meet him and get to know him better. Um, yeah, so that would be my first. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm um, you know I don't think that much about him. Um, um, and and you know that that's what here right now. So I'm I'm not sure even if I miss him um, or that I'm not uh, I don't dare to say that I miss him. Uh, so something is happening within me. So it's really interesting. Um, so that would be my first. Um, so there's also um, oh, I forgot um, I always forget his name Chogyon Tungpa. Um, you know he, he's the one. Um, He's written a book on, on the Shambhala War, the sacred path of the warrior. Uh, that's also, you know, for me, one of the sources on, of the spiritual path. Um, so he, he's done some tremendous work. Uh, he passed last century. So I would like to, you know, to, to learn from him. You know, I think he's also one of the, the, the people, you know, when, when you, this is also what I try to do. When I learn, I want to learn from the best. You know, um, I'd rather pay more or double, or three, three double, or five double the price, but I want to learn from the best uh, rather than a copycat who also have heard about some theories and just throws it in, and, you know, but not the true essence. Um, so I would like to have sit, sit next to him and to talk about, you know, what does it mean, the Shambhala warrior? Uh, because I think I'd start to understand and I'm just a beginner. So that would be my second um for the third <laughs> this is interesting i'm debating myself here so the two two people come up napoleon or hitler you can do um, both and then put them in the same table yeah we, we could you know there's also something for me like you know i think certainly hitler you know he had a twisted mind uh, he must have, uh, have had a twisted mind, but in the twistedness, 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 you know, there's something that that's also like you know, how? I think it's it's coming from disbelief, you know, that I I, I somehow I find it really hard to 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 believe that someone can be truly um, that deeply horrible, and or, or at least you know just uh, find a way to say, actually what I'm doing is the best for the world. So I, somehow I would, would like to understand the twisted mind, I think. And with Napoleon, you know, you know, he, he, I think he's been a great conqueror. Um, you know, so again, for me, that's probably also my, my military background, you know, there's also something about the military that, that intrigues me. So I think I would, I would choose those. Although the last two, Hitler and, and Napoleon, are a bit surprising to me as well. The first two that I like, that's, that's, that I would like to have the, the safeguard for the last two. So if I, if I rethink it, then I can just <laughs> say, well, well, you know, <laughs> second, second thought, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a beautiful list, and especially starting with your grandfather. Hey, uh, yeah. Is is there something I should have asked you, but I didn't? No, I don't think so. You know, for me, it's it's not about the asking. For me, it's about more that we meet. Um, you know, and I feel like we've met. And you know, if I just look at the time, it's it's amazing how, how fast time flies. Um, so for me, that's a good sign. That's a sign of of connection, of intimacy. And there's also a sign there's so much more because I it only felt like we're just scratching the surface. Uh, and there's so much more to, to share to talk about. Yeah. So no, 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 no additional questions. Just, uh, just an observation thank from my end. Yes, thank you, Marco. And the feeling is definitely mutual. <laughs> I believe that, but I don't think it ever anybody would listen to us for that long. <laughs> uh, well, you we can know, go work for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I really don't know. I think we can go for, for hours, literally. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, and because there's also enough. Yeah, there's also enough that I would like to ask you. But, you know, let's, let's, let's do that another, another time. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. If you would take this, this awesome hour that we, we jointly or we share with each other yeah. and 
you summarize this into your two cents for our audience, what would yeah. your key takeaway be? Ah, then I would like to go back to a quote. I like quotes, by the way. You might have noticed. Uh, there's this quote by Dr. Seuss. And Dr. Seuss, you know, there's this character in, the, you know, this, this guy who used it as, a, as his name to write children books. And he's also a cat with a high hat and a bit, uh, uh, what, what's it called? A flinder, a flinder stick. Uh, uh, you know, that, that, that one, the bone tie. And, you know, there's this quote. This quote says, like, today you are you. That is truer than true. There's no one alive who's youer than you. And I find that so, so beautiful. Um, you know, it's it's about show up in who you are. So I would say my my summary would be, you know, live a courageous life. Um, you know, be you, whoever you are, be you and be okay with it. That would be my message, my summary. I think that's a, that's a beautiful one. Fully, fully with you on that. Um, we have come to an end. Really, thank you much for sharing sharing this beautiful story. And I wish you uh, all the luck in all future endeavors. Thank you, Al. Thank you so much, Amir. And, and once more, thank you for asking. And uh, to the listeners, if you, I always say, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. You know, I'm always willing to share my knowledge, my insights. So feel free to to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, is it okay if I just share my contact details just shortly? Of course, I will. Uh, I will. Um, yeah. Go uh, ahead. Do, do you know what? Yeah, I, I've, I've created something in order to do so. Here you go. Isn't that magic? That's nowadays with technology, we can just apply it. I will make sure to put that into the publication as well, so people uh, can, uh, can find you. Fantastic. Yeah. Always happy to share. Thank you very much for listening, dear ladies and gentlemen. That was Marco Bushman. Next week, our guest and challenger of the status quo is Lexia Emerenciana. And here's a short part of our conversation. But um, I do have a vivid um, um, a picture of me of actually, a really, I really see her, a really small child within my heart on a lotus flower. And she's bent over. And, um, and I still find it very hard to reach her. So that's why I'm going to therapy and to, to work on that because she's very important to me to grow. And um, um, so I hope I can help her um, to be, to, 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 to flourish, to, to grow and to be the woman who I am now. Are you curious about the rest of Lexia's life journey and how she uses moments from her past to build a better future? Tune in next week. For now, this was Challenging the Status Quo Podcast Season 2 with your host, Amir Sabirovic. Stay safe and healthy and until next week. Ciao!